0: and rescue them and we have to know the passion if we want to be in love with God we got to know what he loves and if we want to know what God loves we know here in the word it tells us he came to seek God is desperately searching for you he desperately searched for you and found you already and you know him or you don't know him today and he is desperately searching and seeking you out because he has good news for you yes Lord I will tell that story The gospel, and this is a side note, the Holy Spirit just told me to share it, because someone in here needs to hear this. The gospel means the good news, right? You've heard that. But that word gospel was a very common word in the day, and it actually was a military term that a a conquering group of people or nation would come in, and they would basically come in and say, look, here's the gospel. They would preach a gospel to them, and they say, look, our army's huge. We own the whole, you know, basically the whole world we're coming in. We're going to take you over, and so you have an option. You can join us, and at that point it was the Romans. So the Romans came in and they, look, we're bigger and stronger than you. We're going to take you whether you like it or not. But the good news is you can just say, hey, we'll accept the message or their gospel and, and, and experience all the greatness of the Roman and the Roman roads and empire and all their technology and all the goodness and their safety and they would protect you and, but you had to be in their system and that was the gospel. It was a very common word and, and but the other part of that was that if you don't then you're going to suffer the consequences of that great empire and not be a part of that kingdom. Okay, So you had two choices and so the gospel message today guys is an intense message. Sometimes we flower it up and soft it up so much but God has a kingdom, and it's real. And God is powerful, and he's saying to you today and all of us at one time in our life, here's the gospel message. I'm sending my son to die for you, to love on you, and to forgive all your sins so you can, be, you can come into my kingdom. That's the good news. But there is a time coming where if you do not choose God, there is the other part of that kingdom and that gospel. Amen? So there is a choice that we have to make. And someone here needs to hear that today, that there is a gospel message and that God's passionately seeking you out to love on you, to rescue you because he loves you so much, not to point out faults in you. God's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. He misses you. He misses some of you that aren't saved and don't actually haven't surrendered your life to him, but he also misses some of you that are saved and you've gotten complacent in your life, and you've gotten familiarity as bred contempt in your life, and you're just, walking, you're just walking through life, and you're not passionately seeking after him. And I say to you today, God misses you. He misses those intimate times with you. He misses your heartbeat, and he misses all the things that he built into you for his kingdom that you have put to the side and are not using for him anymore. Think about that. I told you I was going to try and tick you off a little bit today. All right. So, yeah, amen. So we looked at seek. Now let's look at the word save because this, you think, saves salvation, but let's look at the word salvation. So Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save. We learned that seek is an intensity, a searching after, an arresting, a finding out, a passionate pursuit. But the word save, sozo, and we've, we've seen that word before, but look at what it means it means to deliver out of danger into safety. It means God rescuing believers from the penalty and power of sin. The word saved is a really complete word. It's not, just, it's not just a ticket out of hell. It's actually wholeness. It's actually salvation, deliverance, freedom. It's all-inclusive. You ever been at an all-inclusive resort? Yeah, I know, right? Where you go, it's like, whoa, everything's included. Salvation is everything that God offers to you It all comes through salvation. What is God like? Jesus came to this earth to search for you desperately, like a father would search for his child that is lost, to deliver you and to rescue you out of danger. Church, do you understand that in in the spiritual realm, we don't see this in the physical realm that we live, but in the spiritual realm, people that don't have Christ are literally walking towards a cliff. They don't know it. No one's told them, but they are walking towards a cliff, and eventually, if no one turns them back or away, they will walk off the cliff because they don't know it's coming. They can't see it. But God, through his grace and mercy and through the power of his Holy Spirit, through you and me, has commissioned us As ambassadors, which means we speak and act on his behalf for him in this world, to go tell people, You are walking towards a cliff. Please turn around. God has a better plan for your life. He came to seek and to save. And we as a church, if we truly want to know him, we have to match up with his passion. We have to cry out and ask God to break our hearts for what breaks his heart. His heart is broken for the lost. His heartbeat is that we all give up our the stuff in our lives that we hold on so dearly, give that up and go seek after people that are going to hell. That's God's heart. And we've got to ask God for a passion for the lost. I know me, I get busy with life and I forget about it. I get to times where it's like I haven't even talked to anyone that doesn't know God. And I want more of a passion. And if we're going to complete the gospel and complete his mission for Yuba City, we all have got to ask for a heart and a passion towards God. So do you still want to know who God is? Do you still want to know him more and more? Well, let's look into, because you know what? God gives us, uh, back in Luke 15, we were in 19, but back in Luke 15, God gives us some great stories about his passion and how intensified it is. So let's look back at one of them. We won't read all of them. You know the stories, right? You know the stories about the 99 sheep and the one, right? You've heard that. You know about the, remember the lost coin, where the lady lost her coin, and man, she swept all over and looked for it, found it rejoiced. And we all know the story about the prodigal son, the son that had it all and then left and realized what he had done and came back and thought his dad was going to be ticked but found out he wasn't ticked. Found out he was excited and about ready to throw him a party. But I want to read through one of these in verse 3, 15, about the sheep. So Jesus told them a story in verse 3 of Luke 15. If a man had a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. What a beautiful picture of salvation. Carries you back on his shoulders. You you don't do anything. You just receive his grace and his love. What a God. Verse 6, when he arrives... He'll call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Verse 7, underline it. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Think about that, church. Think about God's passion that he would leave the there's a ton of stuff we could get into that, but I want you to think about the passion of God to leave the 99 and go after the one. And church, I want that to be the heart of the rivers. I want that to be the heart of our church. That we ha, we're not concerned. We don't get, we don't focus so much on the internal. Oh, you know all the worries and concerns that churches have. You know what colors the paint and the walls and decorations and chairs. And, all that silly stuff. You know what? But if we focus on the lost and the one that's gone astray, instead of turning our eyes in on each other, well, that will help us be externally minded, and then we don't have the time to complain. We don't have the time to worry about the, the, the minute stuff of life that doesn't really even matter, and we'll get our eyes focused on the things that do. Amen? Amen? To know God is to know His heart for you and everyone else. So let's take a look at his passion. So we've seen that in the story, and I could go on on uh, on the, the lost coin and the prodigal son, but I want you to notice something in every three of those stories that every time the person came back, there was rejoicing. And I just feel like, I just sense that someone needs to hear that don't be afraid to turn to God. God's not mad at you. God's not a God waiting up there, oh man, I miss you, yo, you just need a. Pull. And a lot of people have that picture of God that he's this angry father, and, and once they, they're running from him, or they don't want to come to him because they know, God, I've messed up, I've blown it, I've lived my life the way I've wanted to and not you, and so if I come back, man, he's just going to be ticked off at me. And I'm telling you, God clearly shows us in this chapter in three different stories what he thinks about someone coming back to him. There's a party in one. There's rejoicing and parties and dinners in the other. It's all about excitement that you've turned back. So I want to tell you today, and you can share this message on with other people, the world needs to know that God is not ticked off at them. God's not mad at them. God is in love with you and waiting for you to turn back to him so he can really truly show you new life. Amen. Amen. So I want to look back at the Zacchaeus story, and I want to find a few more nuggets about how that looks. So let's look first at Zacchaeus when he came into an alignment with God. Remember we said Amos 3.3 3 said that how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Well, let's look at Zacchaeus as a person that didn't know God, And yet, we're talking about passion for the lost, and Jesus was showing his passion, which we're going to look at some great uh, attributes of what Jesus did to show his passion that we can follow in those footsteps. I want to first do a few quick things about what Zacchaeus did. What do we do on the other side? And maybe you are someone that doesn't know God today, and maybe you know people that don't, but this is something that God's showing us in this passage that Zacchaeus did. Really quickly, you can write these down. These are good things to think on and meditate but Zacchaeus was hungry. Remember, he was passionately seeking out. He, oh, i got to go find that tree. Jesus is coming. He was passionate. He was hungry to know the truth because he had heard the stories about Jesus. He was an Israelite. He was a, he was a true Jew, He was living life the way he wanted to, but he knew and he was excited, so he hungered. There's got to be a hunger if you want to be in God's family. There's got to be a hunger, because God wants you to come to him. God's seeking after you, but he's not going to force you to come to him. So you hunger. And another one is is, uh, faith, to exercise faith. Zacchaeus exercised faith in going and jumping in that tree and waiting in anticipation because he knew if he could just get a look at God, something would change his life. So faith rised up in him and he acted on it. Faith is not just, faith alone without actions is what? Dead, right? Faith needs action. So he acted on what he was believing and hungry for. The next thing he did, he did something ridiculous. If you're hungry for God and you want to know God, you're going to have to get to the point where you care less about what other people think about you, and you care more about what God thinks. Zacchaeus was rich, tax collector, dressed up, and he was climbing up in a tree branch. I mean, think about that, how silly and funny that would be. I mean, this little short guy, prominent, had money, people knew him, and he's climbing up on a tree branch, something a little kid would do, and he was an older man, climbing up a tree just to look at Jesus. If you really want God, if you really want to know God, you're going to have to do things that seem ridiculous to the world and are hard to do. Walking in faith and serving God is not easy. And you're going to have to be prepared to do and care more about what God thinks about you than what the world thinks about you. You can't have a fear of man and a fear of God. They don't don't, uh, live together. So Zacchaeus, he didn't care what they thought. He climbed up in a tree. He did something ridiculous. He didn't care. And that's when people get close to salvation, when they stop caring so much about letting the people, the world, their friends, their family, their loved ones define them, and they let God start defining who they are. Zacchaeus also was humble. Humility is a key component in coming into alignment with God, and learning uh, pa- uh, learning about our passionate God. Remember, Jesus said, "Come down from there," and Zacchaeus had to lower himself from the tree to come into God's presence. And you know, that's a sign of humility. A sign of humility means the Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is humility. It's that humbleness of heart. It's coming before God and saying, "Man." God, you're right, I, I've been living off my own set of rules and, and I come into you and I'm humbling myself, lowering myself to you. And then he also repented, he turned away, remember he talked about, hey, Lord, I'm going to pay people back and if I ripped them off, I'm... he got it, he repented, he, he realized I was living a certain way, ripping people off, stealing money, and now you know what, God, I'm coming into alignment with you and I'm going to pay people back. I'm going to give back to the, to the community, I'm going to pay people back what I took from them. So I wanted to give you that little tidbit of of what Zacchaeus had to do from a non-believer's perspective to come into alignment with God. And now I want to look in the last part of this message, I want to look at what Jesus did. And these are some key components that you and me, as people that believe are believers, we trust God, we know God, things that we can do to get that passion. Are, Are you guys still here today? Are you guys still here with me mentally? Like, okay, I want to make sure you're here. So... If you want to become more passionate about God and you want that to grow in you, I want you to take note of what Jesus did because there's some key components that can help you. And if we can implement these in our life and start thinking about these and putting these in our life, we can grow in our passion because I know I want God, I want God's passion in my heart. I want to be more passionate than I, than I am today. Amen? Okay, so let's look at that real quickly and we'll wrap this up. Um, but the first thing, which is interesting, is that Jesus... Cared about the guy before he started talking to him. And if you really want to get a passion for the lost, Jesus said, he looked up to Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, so Jesus knew this guy's name. Now the Bible doesn't really tell us in the context, did he know him prior? Was there all this stuff around that? But the fact that Jesus knew enough at that point to call him by name and, and go out of his way to the tree, out of his schedule and to take time out for him showed that Jesus really cared. And I think that's the foundation for really uh, loving people and getting people to know God is that you show that you care for them. You've heard the thing: no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care, right? So people don't—that doesn't matter until we care about people. We can't preach the gospel, God loves you, and that, and, unless we know them first. So Jesus took the time to get to know that person and to know their name and to call them by name and step out of His life, put His agenda aside and say, God, what are you, Father, what are you leading me today? And the Holy Spirit led him, hey, you need to talk to this guy. He's ripe, he's ready. So caring about him, he knew his name. And us as believers today, get out and know people's names. I met a guy at the hospital. I went last, last week up here in Marysville and visited Bob, and, and they have free valet parking, which is totally cool there. And, um, and I started talking to the valet guys. And one of the uh, younger kids was named Zach, and 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 Zach, I start. He, they asked me what I did, and they're like, "Oh, you, you're a pastor?" I'm like, yeah. And I start talking to him and invited him to church, and they were super excited. And I'm I'm looking for them in the next few weeks to come visit. Gave them the address, wrote it down. Ten o'clock, come join us, because that's what church is about. That's what that's what living's about, guys. We don't we're not promised tomorrow. I mean, this this horrible tragedy in Vegas should have hopefully wake you up and all the other junk that's going on in our country that time is limited. God, you don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. And you've got to know and be on, uh, sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're right with God because you are not guaranteed tomorrow. Do you think those people will going to that concert, thought for a minute that someone would shoot them from 32 stories across the street? No. You've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. And that kind of goes into my second point, urgency. Jesus was urgent. Did you notice in the text, he said, Zacchaeus, he said, quickly, come down. There was an urgency about God. There was an urgency that Jesus put in that, that there was something that needed to happen quickly. This couldn't wait till tomorrow. This couldn't be put off. hey, I'm busy today. There's some weird guy in the tree over there. I got a mission. I'm, you know, I'm God, by the way, in flesh, Jesus. I got stuff to do. I don't have time for this crazy guy in the tree, you know. No, but Jesus knew time was of an essence. Tomorrow isn't promised, and he made it urgent. Quickly come down. I got to be at your house today. Are you urgent? Is there an urgency in your life to share the good news of God's love? Are you urgent? You need to ask yourself this when you get up in the mornings. God, give me an urgency today. I don't want to get so humdrum in my day that, and so routine that I don't even know the things that God's trying to do. People, the Holy Spirit might have people at the grocery store that are just ripe right for you if you would listen and tell them that God loves them. Even a simple thing, hey, I just, God told me to tell you Jesus, Jesus loves you. He died for you and he has a plan. Can I pray with you? Do you care what people think? Remember I said, <laughs> you, want to, you want to serve God, you got to care less what people think about you. Jesus said, if they rejected me, they're going to reject you. But that, if that's a, our point, is that we care what man thinks and not what God thinks, then we're going to avoid the grocery store and we're just going to do our thing and the Holy Spirit, don't talk to me. I've I got, I got to go home and watch a movie. And my wife's cooking food and I need to eat. Stop. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He is talking to you, and I don't care if you tell me, well, I never hear God talk. Yes, you do, and I will prove it to you. Those, the Holy Spirit doesn't always speak in words. The Holy Spirit can give you a, I like to call it an unction, because it's the only word that I can say that kind of describes a sense of feeling in your spirit, man, that's causing you to want to do something, and you can't quite articulate it in words yet, but you just know, I need to go talk to this person, I don't know why. I've done that. My wife's seen it. We've got to stop. It's urgent, guys. We've got, to, we've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. We've got to start saying, no, no, not tomorrow, today. Take a risk, guys. Do something different. Get out of the normal. Quit living your normal life and take a risk and go preach the gospel. I don't, you don't have to have. We're all evangelists. I've heard it too many times at church. Well, that's not my gifting. Yes, it is your gifting, The Holy Spirit's big in you. The Holy Spirit can give you everything you need. And you don't have to be afraid. Quit being afraid and letting the enemy trick you out of not talking to people that are going to hell. They are walking off a cliff. And it's our job. If we don't come and save them, no one's gonna. Because God's reaching out to our hearts to turn people. Amen? So there's got to be an urgency. The the third thing is this. We talked about you gotta care about them, know their name, an urgency. The next thing, the third thing is think positive about your message. And I want this is something that you gotta get in your heart, that you have something good to share. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Don't be ashamed of the message you have. In fact, you should you should be so excited about this message that you cannot help but tell everyone. And if that's not the case in your life today, I would recommend as your spiritual coach, all right, something's wrong. You need to get on your face and pray and say, God, I'm not excited about the message I have. What's going on? What do I not know about you? Because if you really knew what this Bible says, you would share with everyone that had opportunity. Do you want that? You've got to believe that you have a message of a positive message that has life in it. Jesus came back and he looked at Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly. I must be a guest in your home today. Think about what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, I have such a great message, and I have eternal life in me, that I'm telling you a stranger possibly to him. Get down quickly. I have to be in your home tonight because what I've got to tell you is going to be revolutionary to your life. Do you see that? Jesus was showing not only urgency but a a positive uh, um, perspective of the message that he had. He came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to give life and to give it more abundantly. He came to save people, deliver people, get them free from bondage, free from hell's grips and take them away and give them a life of God in them. So, the third thing is to think positive about your message. Guys, you are Jesus on this earth. Jesus said you would do greater things than him. He gave you authority to go, He gave you the authority to speak on his behalf. That's a big deal. You are ambassadors. Every one of you, no one is excluded from that. If you have trusted God, given him your life, you are an ambassador, and you have a great message that is going to deliver and save people from bondage and lies from the enemy and living a life that is totally fruitless into a life that's fruitful. So think positive about your message. And I'm telling you, some of you need to just not only hear that, you need to type that in your phone in your notes and put your name at the front and say, Doug, start thinking positive about the message you have in your heart because some of you are timid and you're not, you are not—you don't think you can say it or you're, you're not good enough or whatever, the enemy's trying to lie to you. But I'm telling you today and I'm telling you what God says. He says you've got a good message. And this is a powerful message and you better start believing it because if you don't believe it in your heart, do you expect anyone to believe it that you tell? Have you thought about that? If you don't believe it, no one's going to believe it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Get the word in you Know what this life is about, and then you will be able to believe I have a great message. Number four, and we're almost there. Hang with us. We're doing good. Boldness. God wants you to be bold. You want to share in the passion and become a passionate person for the lost? You've got to have boldness. And if you say, oh, I'm just not bold, we'll I have a good answer for you because the Holy Spirit Will give you boldness. It was one of the first fruits of the Spirit in Acts when they got baptized in the Holy Spirit that they went around speaking with boldness. You have to be bold. Check it out. What did Jesus do that was bold in that case? He invited Himself over to your house. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, look, Jesus said, I must come to your house today. Basically, have you ever had anyone invite themselves over for dinner? Come on. Yeah, we all know those people, right? Hey, what are you having for dinner? You know, uh, gosh, I forgot my lunch. You know? Uh, you know, We all know those people. But Jesus, because he knew he had a great message, he had the boldness to say, hey, invite me over for dinner. I got the message for you. You want to serve me steak because what I got for you is so beyond steak. It doesn't even compare. And it's not an arrogancy, it's just a matter of fact, it's truth. God has a powerful message for you and for your friends. And so we have to have that boldness. He was bold. He was bold because he had the message and he was bold, number five, because he saw through the eyes of faith. If you want to match and walk in the passion that God has for the lost, you not only have to be bold, but you've got to begin to see people with God eyes instead of your own. You've got to start looking at people not in the judgmental way we all do naturally because we're just human. We kind of default to that judgmental phase, but we've got to see him in the eyes of faith. Jesus saw him as he would be, not as he was. He did not judge by the external. He didn't look at Zacchaeus, who in the natural, eh, was a dirty low-lying tax collector. Right? Right? Rich guy taking advantage of people, a lawyer maybe in our day. Sorry if there's any lawyers here. You know what I mean, all right? <laughs> Someone's like, hey, there's good lawyers. I, I know one of them. I didn't even mean for that to be a joke. So, but Jesus saw Zacchaeus, who he was purposed to be, not who he was at that present time. Check this out. The word Zacchaeus means this and innocent Jesus was able to in faith see the person that God created that person to be not the rough on the edges person he may be now and if you want to have a passion for the lost you've got to start looking at people differently you've got to start looking at the people that are maybe make you uncomfortable maybe the people that don't look like the Christian person because I tell you what I am only going to be at this church if we're going to seek and save those who are lost. And I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they smell like. I don't care if they have tats or I don't, all that stuff doesn't bother me. And if it bothers you, you're probably not going to like this church then. Because I'm going to do everything I can with every ounce of strength I have to get as many people in here and I don't care what they currently look like. I want to look through eyes of faith and see the potential that God has created that person to be. Even though they don't look like it now, one day they're going to look like it. And God's going to have glory in that. And we're going to see people up here that aren't leading worship now, that are going to be leading worship in the future, drummers and guitar players that are once in bands and had nothing to do with God, but someone saw them through the eyes of faith and said, Jesus has a plan for you. Invite me over to your house. I want to tell you about it. We need some boldness up in here in our church and in this city if we're going to make a difference for God. Amen? Amen? Come on, church. We need boldness. We need to see people in the eyes of faith. Jesus did it. It means you can do it. Do you know that everything Jesus did, you can do? Think about that. Okay. Say law that. <laughs> Alright, number six. I just, when I was going through here, I was like, God just, can't. I was like, how many things are in this little story? This is Cool. The next thing is, is Jesus didn't care what people thought. Remember verse 7? But the people were displeased. He had gone to be with the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Jesus didn't care what other people thought. And if you want to be a Christ follower, you better get used to that. You better get in your mindset on your mission and not be worried about what people think about how you do that. If you want to be a Christ follower... You have to not care what the world thinks. you got to get over it because even, not only just the world, but you got to sometimes, and a lot of times, not care what other Christians think about you. Because a lot of times when you choose to walk in faith and take risk and go for it in God's kingdom, people look down on you. You know why? Because you're rocking the boat. And they want it nice and comfortable and easy, and they, don't, they want status quo. They don't want any waves. They don't want it to get weird. Oh, they're afraid if we worship too much, there's weird stuff that happens. I'd rather deal with weird than boring. I'm just telling you the truth. I'd rather bring correction to something that gets out of hand and then to be so boring and nothing happening that we're just attending and seeing the same people every week. I'll tell you this. I don't want to see you every week. And you shouldn't want to see me. If there's not new people coming in here, we're not doing our job. Is that true or not? If there's no one new, I want to see new faces. I want to see new people. And we're going to work hard to get our service the best we can, but at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit that draws people to Him. I can, We could can have the... the and Our band's awesome, and they're working hard, but we could have like Jesus Culture up there, and we could have... Stephen Furtick instead of me. But at the end of the day, it's God who draws people. It's his spirit that does it. We're going to do everything we can to the best we can. With every effort, we're going to be as excellent as we can. And we're going to strive to be better. But we're always going to remember that it's the Holy Ghost that draws people to them. No one can come to know Jesus unless the Holy Spirit draws them. The Bible's very clear on that. It's not the Holy Spirit and a good message. It's not the Holy Spirit and a good singing song. It's not the Holy Spirit and a big building with a higher ceiling. Right? This, <laughs> knock out, all right, pastor got knocked out in the spirit. Oh wait, he had a set of the <laughs> Revival stories start in places like this. And I was, when we were worshiping, the Lord told me uh, I was going to preach on something else next week, and he said, no, I want you to do this sermon. Next week, I'm going to talk about how we as a church, and you're gonna, this might blow your minds so Just think about it all week, how we are the ones in control of whether revival comes here or not, not God. So many times churches, oh God, bring us revival, oh God, They're, we're sitting around praying and waiting for God to do something, and God's like, I did all my stuff. I've given you everything you need. Now it's up to you. So we're going to find out what that looks like a little bit next week. But I'm telling you guys, we have to not care about what other people think if we want to walk in the passionate things that God has for us. Amen? Want to match that passion. The last thing. He taught faith. Jesus taught faith. He believed faith. He recognized repentance and faith. And he recognized a true son of Abraham. Remember when I, we read that and I said, we'll come back to that, about what does that mean? How does that fit in there? Jesus responded to Zacchaeus. He said, salvation has come into this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean? You <laughs> are like, okay, great. Well, a true son of Abraham is a person that walks by faith. So a false son of Abraham would be someone that's trying to earn and work their way into God's favor. Right? Abraham is the father of faith, remember? Remember Abraham and his son Isaac. Remember he he was going to... That was faith. He was going to kill his own son. And then God provided the lamb. He walked in faith. And, our, and it, you cannot please God without faith. You can't come to know him without faith. And Jesus taught faith. He recognized in Zacchaeus that he was... He had repented from his ways and was now beginning to walk in faith and showing himself a true son of Abraham. A false son thinks that just because they're good, they'll go to heaven. A false son of Abraham thinks that it's by works and by being nice and kind that you earn a ticket into heaven or a position or favor with God. A false son thinks that because they're born in a Christian home, Or have Christian parents that somehow they're gonna tail dove off that and they're Christian because they were born in a Christian home. And that's not true. That's a false son of Abraham. Some people even think that just because they're American, they're Christian. (laughs) Serious. And that's a false because Abraham was the father of faith. And those who come to God must come by faith, by faith through grace. It's not about your works, guys. It's not about you earning God's favor. You already have God's favor. He loves you. He is waiting for you. He's not mad at you, but you got to do it His way. You can't come with your own works. God is the designer. He's the maker of you. He made you. He knows how you work best. And some people look at the Old Testament And they say, oh, a bunch of rules, and I don't like church because they're telling me what to do and not to do. God didn't tell you, the Old Testament didn't give you the Ten Commandments to make your life miserable. He didn't tell you to be a controlling freak. He gave you Ten Commandments because he loves you so much, and as the designer, he knew how it's best to operate. And if you would operate in these ways, you'll have the full capacity and the pleasure of the design of this, whatever he made. And because he made you, he said, hey, look, don't have any other gods before you. Not for him. It was for you because he designed you, and the only void and the only place that that is in your heart that's empty that, that can be filled is God. You can try and fill that void with other things, sex, outside of the context of marriage, drugs, alcohol, whatever, name it. You can try and fill that emptiness inside your heart with all those things, and it's not about God saying, oh, those things are evil and bad. No, he's saying, I designed you for me, God, to be in that place, and when you put anything else, it's not going to work right. The designer of the car designed the car to work on gas, not water. Are you, you're free to put water in your gas tank. You have the liberty and the freedom to do so. But it's not the designer's intent and you will not get the fullness of what the car was designed to do if you put water in the tank. But if you go ahead and do what the designer said and put gas in there, it'll function properly. It's the same with God's commandments. He's not giving you rules and regulations to make your life burdensome, to, t- to take all your fun away. He's giving you these rules because they're out of love that he's showing you. Look, I made you, if you wait till you get married, to have sex... It will fulfill the design that I made it for. When you do things out of design, you bring destruction to parts in your internal being that will destroy you. That's why God said that. He's not trying to take your fun away. He loves you so much. He just wants you to operate and get the fullness out of your life. But you can't do that till you say, all right, God, not my way, but your way. I bend my knee. I surrender to your will. And I'm going to start doing things your way. And see, that is an act of faith. You can't see God, but you're trusting. Faith is trusting in stuff you can't see. Faith is believing that, hey, even though the world has interpreted some of God's rules and his, his word to, to be uh, taken away our fun and controlling, the faith part comes in and says, no, I believe that God is saying to do these for my benefit and to give me a better life and more fulfillment than I could ever imagine, and more blessing, and really, you, put, you want to go super fast in a car? Put the supreme jet fuel whatever, right? <laughs> and you'll, ugh, you get more, and you believe more that God is, is putting this, the, his word in our hearts to make us better. You start believing that and acting on that, then your life starts to take off, and you can fully become who God created and designed you to be, Because he made you and he knows what it takes. And he's not—he's crying out, oh, don't have any other gods before you. Don't commit murder. Don't do adultery. Don't lie. All that stuff. Not because he wants rules, but he's trying to show you, I made you. And if you do these things, it's going to jack you all up. But if you start doing what's right, it's going to help you live in a fulfilled life. God just wants fulfillment, guys. He wants you to be who he's created you to be. And he wants you to have the full experience of knowing him and loving him and experiencing his goodness. Does that make sense? I hope that made sense to you because God is crying out to your heart to do something good in your life. And he's saying all this stuff and all the tribulations and trials you've had in life, God is going to use to make you better. But you've got to surrender. You've got to bend your knee and say, All right, God, I'm going to start walking by faith. And Jesus did that with Zacchaeus. He said, for this man has shown himself, shown himself to be a son of Abraham, or he has shown himself that he's going to choose now to walk in faith. Trust God, even though you can't figure it out, even though you can't see him, because he's worthy of your trust, and he will never, ever fail you. Let's pray. Father, Father, you're a good God. We thank you so much for showing us today just a little bit about who you are, about your passion, about what makes you tick in your heart. Lord, we thank you for showing us a little insight and helping us see a, a few things that we can do as your sons and daughters to be as passionate as you are for the loss of our community. And we thank you, God. We ask that you would help us to implement these truths into our life, God. Lord, we just ask as a family right now, God, that you would help us not just be hearers of the word and then go out these doors and and we never think of it again. But God, help us as a family, God, to talk about these principles tonight at dinner. Lord, to talk about them at lunch during the week and, or before we go to bed with our spouse, just to say, hey, what did you think about that point? This point kind of stood out to me when when Pastor Doug was preaching, and, and just talk about it. Lord, help us to be doers of the word. Help us this, to change us and to make us different than we were here this morning. Lord, we love you. And Lord, I pray with, with everyone just in a prayerful attitude and just focusing on the Lord right now, if there's anyone here this morning that would say, man, Pastor Doug, I, I've never bended my knee to God. I've never, I've never surrendered. But today, the Holy Spirit, I believe, or something's kind of pulling me on the inside. I don't know what it is. You're saying the Holy Spirit, but I don't know what it is. I don't know the Holy Spirit, but, man, I feel a heart tug that is telling me I need to surrender and trust God, and, and I don't want to do that. And you're thinking in your heart, well, I don't want to do that. That sounds too hard. I, I like my life too much. I like what's going on. If that's you and God's tugging, I would encourage you to respond to that. God isn't going to take away from you. He wants, he's a giver. He wants you to be full, and you're going to find out that as the moment you bend your knee and trust him, that you're going to have a whole new adventure in life, a whole new meaning and purpose, and he's going to take the existing gifts that you already have and make them better. And so if that's you this morning, and you would say, yeah, you know what, I've never surrendered and bend my knee and ask Jesus to come in, today's your day today's the day to bend your knee and say yes to God. You don't have to have your act together. You don't have to, God is not waiting for you to be perfect and get it all together, and then you get saved. No, God wants you just the way you are right now. All the mess-ups, all the mishaps, all the failures, all that stuff, he wants you just as you are today. Don't wait until you clean yourself up. If you could clean yourself up, um, God, you had already done it by now. God is waiting for you just to surrender to him, to turn away from your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. And if that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand and just catch my eye. No one's looking around, it's just me and you. If there's anyone here today that would say, yeah, Pastor Doug, I want to pray that prayer after service with you and uh, I want to make this day the day of salvation for me. Some of you are going to have to not care about what other people think right now. Remember that part of the, with Zachariah where, our Zacchaeus, he didn't, he, he had, Jesus had to go, I don't care what other people think right now. Remember those people that were grumbling and mad and God says to you right now, just, just keep your eyes on me. Don't worry about what the world says. Don't worry about what your friends say, your parents, your family. What matters most right now is just you and him. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand and just catch my eye, and then we'll, we'll talk after service and we'll pray. Does anyone here want to do that today? Just kind of look up and raise your hand. Anybody? We're just going to give the Holy Spirit a few moments. He's working on hearts. I, can, I know it. I can see in the Spirit that the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart, longing to be with you and to know you. Anyone here today want to do that? You want to say yes to God? Oh, Father, we thank you for the good news. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you're never going to leave us even though we struggle. God, you're always there to pick us up and help us be more like you. God, take the words that you've planted in our hearts today and water them this week and help us to grow from them and, and be changed so that we're more like you and that next week we'll be a little more passionate about your kingdom and, your, and the loss than we were the week before. And we ask for that. And we pray it and believe it by faith in the name of Jesus. And we all said amen. 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 Hey, God bless you guys. It was great to see you. Before you leave, I want you to give someone an actual hug. I know if that freaks you out, you can come up here and give me a side hug. Okay? So before you leave, I want you to hug someone and say, hey, I'm glad you're here today. All right? Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Love you.